0: So this morning obviously is dedication Sunday and across all of our locations, we've got 10 dedications. We should have some pictures in a minute on the screen of all of those so that we can celebrate. Yeah. Isn't that great? Two, four, six. Yeah, that's 10. Great. Uh, So those babies have been dedicated across the locations today. Um, We had 19 baptisms last week, so this is like a season of uh, celebrating from the youngest, middle, old um, to get baptised as well as dedicated, which is great. So this morning we're talking about uh, children a lot um and I'm going to do what I call a chat I get really nervous when somebody says oh Irene's preaching because I don't do that and that really puts on me like a oh no I've got to do something different but I just chat um so and then after that Stuart's going to get up and he's going to form everything into about 50 points so um is is that true Stuart yeah we're all with subheadings um so I know him very well so um, we've got two readings this morning. So Luke eighteen fifteen to 17 says, people were also bringing babies to Jesus to have him touch them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. But Jesus called the children to him and said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And then um, Matthew 18, verses two to six. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, "'Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven?' He called a little child and had him stand among them, and he said, "'I tell you the truth, "'unless you change and become like little children, "'you will never enter the kingdom of heaven.'" Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes a little child like this in my name welcomes me. But if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a large millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Quite serious stuff, isn't it? So I think that shows us what Jesus feels about Uh, little children and the importance of them and um, when it says about accepting Jesus as a child I, I just think sometimes it means that we just think our brain may be asking hundreds of questions some of them very valid but what it is really saying is you just have to simply say this is Jesus I accept him because I know he loved me and he died for me. And then you can ask all your questions afterwards, but it's the simplicity of how we can come to him. And I think we should all think of children as a blessing. But in the day-to-day life, it sometimes doesn't feel like that. When you have babies that are waking up in the night, the books said they wouldn't do if you did certain things, but they still do. When they're little toddlers and they're having their terrible twos and trusting three moments, and when they're teenagers stamping their feet and slamming the doors, um, we don't always think, wow, this is such an amazing blessing. But as parents, we are there to protect our children through all the different phases of life. Stuart says that I'm a very fierce protector of our children and grandchildren, and I think that is true. Um, So I would say, even no matter what our children did, now it's grandchildren. If they're doing anything wrong, my message, um, which I know frustrates by the looks some of the parents give me, is I think they're a bit tired, you know, that's, they're okay. They're just tired. When I know inside, if I was their mum and dad, I'd be thinking, oh, for goodness sake. Um, yeah, but that that's me. That's my first protector of children and grandchildren. If they're going away, I always want to know that they're having a good time, that they're being careful and they're being safe. My dad, even when I was an adult, would tell me to be careful crossing the road. And I used to think, I am an adult. But now I say that to my kids, and I know from how I felt with my dad, they must be thinking, I'm an adult. If I don't know how to cross the road now, um, it's a bit late. I would also say to our children when they went out, when they were old enough to go off by themselves, probably venture into town and things, Um, It's many years ago, so things are a little different now, but I would say don't talk to strangers. And because we didn't have any pets, I would say if they want you to go and look at puppies and kittens, you don't go. And also don't go and look at Man United collections. So that shows you the things they were interested in and the things that were irrelevant in those days. But I think now it's probably more like don't go and look at somebody's PS4 if you don't know them either. Um, There's a time recorded in the Bible when it says that Mary and Joseph thought they'd lost Jesus. They went to the temple. They were obviously in a huge gathering and I think is that that a bit like church. Our children go running off, talk to people because they feel safe. They're in church. They know lots of people and you can turn around and say, well, where are they? And obviously they're chatting to somebody that they know. But I can't imagine how Mary and Joseph must have felt when Which makes me think, how did this all work? That after a day, they realised he was missing. And obviously, he was with a great train of family and friends. And so, he'd wandered off and was talking with people as far as they knew. But then it said, um, after three days, they found him in the temple. And just after three days, um, for me, that would have been definitely sleepless nights and sleepless days. But when they found him, they said to him... Why have you done this? Because uh, we were really, really anxious about you. And as a 12-year-old, he very maturely said, why were you worried? You know I've got to be about my father's business. Now, that would have made us think, gosh, we need to unpack that, as everybody says these days. We need to unpack that and just say, what are you talking about? But it says that Mary treasured all these things in her heart. And there's a time, obviously, when the angel came to Mary to tell her that she was going to be having Jesus, And the enormity of what that meant, there's a verse that says Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. And I think that's what we can only sometimes do, isn't it, with the mysteries in life, that we can just put them into that category. They're mysteries and somehow, somewhere, someday, I will know and I will understand what all this meant. God's plans were were bigger and they couldn't comprehend what that meant. So Mary, very wisely, put them in her heart and pondered and thought, I'm gonna keep these for later on and in the fullness of time it will all be come clear. We also try to include our children. I protect, I value and I try to include our children in our daily life where appropriate. Uh, Many years ago, there was a saying that children should be seen and not heard, which, um, you know, if you ever watch any old films, the Victorian times, you know, you see that children are ushered off to a nursery and they're brought out at certain times where they're allowed to speak and be, but not do very much at all, which, of course, um, is a terrible thing when you think about it now. Um, But children obviously can't be included in every conversation because that isn't appropriate. But we can include them in daily lives uh, and things that we want to do but also if you include them in too many things they would be deciding what time they went to bed what they didn't eat and where they went but all the things that we try and do for them are boundaries that we put in that actually protect and keep safe rather than restrict but that's something that they may not learn until later life. Um, we don't want young ears hearing things that they shouldn't hear. And being in leadership, we very often had people around the house and had meetings and the kids would hang around for a bit. And then every now every every uh, so often they would just look at us and go, oh, dear, this is a leadership moment. And they would take the out the door. So that was their little sarcastic comment on um, I am not allowed to stay in the room at this moment. So uh, they still joke with us about that now. So we have three children and five grandchildren, as many of you know, and as all of you know who have children, you know that they are all very different. You bring them up the same as far as you're aware. You do the same with them, but they all turn out very differently. And I remember at one point saying to One of our children, who had children, um, they were reading books on how to do this and getting really upset because it wasn't working. And I remember saying, I'm going to come round to the house and throw that book away if you keep worrying about that book, because we've all read the books, haven't we? And I don't know of anybody who it actually worked for um, what was told them in this book would happen if they did certain things with their children. So, I'm just going to give you three illustrations as we have three children, and I won't give you their names, and I'm sure it'd be really hard for you to guess who I'm talking about. But one of our children, growing up, went through a very black stage. Everything they wore was black um, black boots, black tops, black trousers, and you could not get them out of them for any occasion. Um, they loved God, they knew God but would say sometimes, do I have to go to church every Sunday because God knows I love him? And our answer was always, one and a half hours a week is our minimum requirement, and that's not too much. So we're no great battles, but just little things that we had to navigate. Then we had another child who hated school right from the word go. And it sort of broke your heart when the teacher said they stand at the door just waiting to go back in after lunchtime and playtime because they just didn't want to get involved with anybody. And many years ago, uh, teachers were quite scary people. I know there probably are still some around now, but they were very scary and almost, I think parents were probably as nervous to go in and talk to the teachers about the way their children were being treated as the children were of them. But this child grew up to be a teacher, I've done very well, I'm so far, I've not cried. <laughs> um, grew up to be a teacher and hopefully it's changing things for the positive to show children and parents that school can be a really beneficial experience. We had another child who's a little bit more adventurous uh, in play and in growing up. They felt the desire to come to church as, as our other two children did. Um, but loved the fun side of things, of life. And sometimes the things that can creep in, that take your time on a Sunday, can become a bit of a battle. But they still went to house groups, youth groups, kids groups, um, went with friends from other churches to their groups as well. And the fun side that meant that after uh, one of these kids groups, um, they put a bike on a roof as a challenge for the parents to come and get the bike down when the group had finished, and also experimented with fireworks that caused a bit of damage somewhere. But they, now I look back, we laugh at all these things that they did. They were the fun side of things, and somehow we have to learn um, that there are battles to fight and there are some that we can just leave. I remember getting a phone call just as this child walked in the door door with their friend from the leader of this youth group, who, when he addressed me as Mrs Bell, I thought, oh gosh, what's happened now? And these two were just stood in the corner laughing and I thought, "Uh, there's something's gone on that he's going to tell me about. So um, I waffled my way out of that one and uh, protected my children as best I could. Uh, while dealing with the situation but nobody was damaged in the raising of a bike to a roof and the roof wasn't damaged and the bike came down so we can all laugh at these when we're a little bit older and our kids are older but it's very difficult then when grandchildren start doing things like that and inside you think this is really funny because we had to deal with this and now their parents are having to deal with it too but our desire is for them to come to, be church, to come to church and be a part of the family here. And so we have to, as parents, I think, make this as fun and enjoyable and as attractive as we can. I read a bit once in a book, uh, When Our Children Were Small, uh, a book by Wendy Virgo. And um, she ended up having five children. Um, and, and some of them were quite a surprise, she says in the book. But she refers to Psalm 1 to 8, which says, Children are like tender olive plants. And that was, olive plant was one of the most valuable trees in the ancient Hebrew times. And it says that their shoots come out of the roots and protect the trunk. (coughs) Excuse me. And if it's cut down, they ensure that its continued existence is there. So I used to think, look at the children around the table and think these are like little olive shoots and one day they're going to mature and they're going to be amazing people in life. So shall we try to learn to teach, value, include and protect our children while we're doing our best with God's help to develop them and hopefully turn them out into full rounded adults?
1: Well, thank you Irene and um Out of Irene's little chat, I'm going to give you some points. Okay. Uh, What a great weekend it's been. You know, a whole day of a great wedding yesterday. But actually, church is about family and all ages being together. And um, today, we do celebrate children. And to think that we're dedicating 10 children across our locations, it's a very wonderful thing. And you know, through the years, church has had to try and navigate this relational, how do we, um, as a family, uh, bless everyone, include everyone, release everyone, without it being chaotic? And so what I want to share with you is certain principles that we as a church family believe passionately about, and I'm picking up on some of the things that Irene has said, but I want to give you a number of things here. As a church family, the first thing is this, we value our children. We value our children. I think it's ever so important that we um, recognize how important having children with us is. You know, I often uh, look at at what's happening in other churches and other places, and uh, I find that there are many churches with very few children and the aging sort of congregations where there's very little family life. And so we do celebrate the fact and value the fact that we've got lots of children with us today and 10 dedicated to Jesus uh, uh, today, which is great. And we value children because we believe that that's part of our Christian understanding. This is what Jesus taught us. So in Luke 18, we had it read for us. Jesus says these words, let the little children come to me. Let them come to me. The disciples were all for shooing off the kids. The disciples were saying to Jesus, "Is more important stuff than having children on your knee. There are the big kingdom issues to deal with. And sometimes we as followers of Jesus can think, you know, we've got to get on with the big stuff in life. But Jesus took time and said, make sure that the children come to me. And if Jesus wanted that, we want that within the church. And I believe that as we look at children, we begin to look at all the potential wrapped up. I just love it. Um, You might have noticed, you know, as I was praying for Harrison, uh, wouldn't it be great if everybody concentrated in when I'm speaking, like he did? He was just looking into my eyes, and, and I know he was sleepy, but I'm, you know, this is my perspective. I think he was excited with the moment. But I was looking in his eyes, and also Isabel today, and you, you start to say, we don't know the journey ahead, but isn't it wonderful that wrapped up in two children today that we've dedicated to the Lord, all kinds of things are potential within them, wrapped up within them skills that perhaps have not yet, uh, are not yet fully burst, And uh, we don't know their journey, but that's why we dedicate children to the Lord, to give to the Lord you know, the future of these children, to thank God that they're part of the family. And so we recognize that there's all kinds of potential wrapped up in our children. And we believe that there are infinite possibilities ahead for good. You know, Irene's given an overview of our family, and I guess none of you could guess which of the children were being referred to. But uh, with the, the children that we've got, it's a great delight as you get older. You know, I don't like getting older, if I'm really uh, truthful with you. But as you get older, you, you can look back further. And as you look back further, you can give thanks. You know, there were pressure points in our lives when we're thinking, you know, are our children really going to want to follow after Christ? Are they going to give up on church, you know, in the teenage years? And in that time, we, you know, we talked a lot. Um, Hopefully we did certain things wisely, but I think what we felt was we've got to not push people into their faith, we've got to believe God is interested in us all and we've got to relax. You know, I think Christian parents should relax in those pressured, I can say that now because we're through all that. But we we relax and we believe the best. And it's a great joy as you live a bit longer to look back and to thank God for the quality of life that's coming through in your kids. It's a great delight. But of course it's even more delightful to have grandchildren and to see... (laughs) You you see the traits coming through the family line and again the difference between our um, children and grandchildren. And interesting, last night if you'd stuck around at the party, some of our grandchildren have got moves in terms of dancing that I have never had and skills uh, that are very brilliant. So we value our children. And I hope as a congregation we all value the fact that we've got children. We don't want to just push them off. The reason they're out now is for their benefit because they're going to be having interesting talks and a lot of fun elsewhere. But we really value our children. The second thing is this, we protect our children. We protect our children. I believe in a day when... Children are vulnerable and there are all kinds of things happening, you know, things even sadly within churches that you look back and you hear all these stories of how children have not been protected. And we take it very seriously that we want all of our children to be protected, to be looked after. And that's for all of us to do, to make sure that they're safe. You know, sometimes when our children come to church, they assume they're safe. I just want to say to parents, uh, sadly in these days, we we still have to keep an eye on our children because we want this church to be open to all. I get quite nervous even uh, still after 38 years on the Lincolnshire Showground with the one event when we've got 7,000 people. Often the children just run about as though everybody's family, everybody's friends. But of course, uh, everybody's welcome onto the showground. And sadly, we live in an age when we've really got to be vigilant with regard to our children. We want to be passionate about that. And can I say to all of us in our uh, locations uh, that we really take that seriously, look out for the children, protect them, keep them from harm, because I think that is essential. And Matthew 18, verse 6, Jesus actually takes the protection of children very, very seriously. He says this, if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a large millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Some of you might think that's an amazing thing for Jesus, always his truth, always is love, to say. I believe he demonstrated that out of a holy, a holy and righteous approach to this thing that, The damaging of children is one of the most important things that we should make sure. None of our children are damaged through any effect from the church or from us as individuals. And William Barclay, in his commentary, he says that the word child here in this context also means beginners in the faith, not just children and babies, but also people that are just beginning to walk uh, in the newness of their faith. They may be older people, but I'll tell you what, Jesus takes it very seriously. If a new person starts to walk in the faith and they don't always get it right, we've got a huge responsibility uh, to not divert those people from walking and following after Jesus. The way we speak, the way we act, it's vitally important that we don't put stumbling blocks in their way so that they cannot follow through with the decision that they've made. So I want to say when people come to faith, possibly they come through an alpha course or whatever, and they start to come here, let's be careful that we don't put stuff in their way and, and let's not, you know, bring our negative things to a new believer and a new person that's just starting things. And Jesus takes this very seriously. You know, he says um, it'd be better for a millstone to be hung around the neck. I was, I was looking in, into that. You know, the word that's used for millstone is the largest stone in the grinding process and the largest stone was always moved by an animal. In other words, it was so heavy, the top part could be moved by a person but the lower stone could only be moved by an animal which tells you it was pretty heavy. And Jesus is pictorially saying, you know, this stuff is very serious. Protect your children. And uh, he says it would be better you know, for, for a millstone to be hung around his neck. Now, he's speaking figuratively here, but I think he wants us to understand how important this really is. In fact, to the Jewish mind, drowning was a sign of utter destruction. I just researched this a little bit, and I found that drowning was sometimes a Roman punishment, but it was never a Jewish punishment. So... To the reader, they would get this little picture. They would understand that Jesus is taking this very seriously. Jews took the view that the most unforgivable of all sins is to teach another to sin. And I think we need, as a church, to understand that. that There is nothing in this world more terrible than to destroy someone's innocence. And so, as a church, we value our children we protect our children. But also, we teach our children. And actually, Irene, I did need my Bible, which is always good when you're preaching, isn't it? But um, I just want to take you to a couple of verses in Deuteronomy. Teaching of children is very, very important. In the uh, Old Testament, uh, in the Jewish tradition, family was always responsible for teaching the children. and it was meant that through example, uh, the children would be impressed with with the faith uh, of their parents and of their forefathers. So just a verse or two from Deuteronomy four, verses nine and 10. And this is Old Testament. It says, only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them slip from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. So teach it to your children. Also in Deuteronomy 6, verses 7 and 8, it says here, um, impress them on your children. It says, Verse 4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give to you uh, today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on the foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. I think what what's being said here is live it on a daily basis and it's ever so important when we're teaching our children it's not just a city a sunday affair it's to do with every detail of life now it doesn't mean that you're walking up and down in the house you know with your bible quoting uh, verses to your kids it means living a life that's full but living as an example and I think also at this time, I just want to say a big, big thank you to our children's workers who every week take our kids and, and train them and teach them and have fun with them and we must never take that for granted. Uh, so we, we're thankful for our team of teachers and those that are teaching in Sunday school today, but also a huge number of our congregation that are involved in education. So in the week, again, you're, you're living this out. You're teaching children. And so we value our children. We protect our children. We teach our children. And then, as Irene said, we include our children. Uh, Again, she said wisely, we can't include children in every conversation and everything, and we haven't necessarily got it fully right in the life of the church here, but our heart is to include children, to make them feel as though they really want to come to to church. My aim would be that the children are so excited to be in church every Sunday that um, parents who are wondering and a bit iffy are drawn in by the children. And I know we went through times when children would say, do we really have to go to church today? And of course every parent has to work out the dynamics of all those kind of things. But I think rather than the do I have to, we create an environment that's filled with life, filled with excitement, filled with joy, and that we train our children in the way that we feel is appropriate. And it comes to the time when our children have to make decisions for themselves. That's why we actually have, last week, um, baptisms where people, have, uh, they believe themselves and they're baptized, and that's why we have dedications where we dedicate children to the Lord in the hope and expectation that later they will make a personal choice themselves and be baptized. Luke 18 verse 5 says, And whoever welcomes a little child like this in my name welcomes me. Jesus on that occasion stood up a child and talked about the value of children and the importance of welcoming children. And so we want to uh, welcome our children, we want to include our children. Uh, Parents, you you, you really perhaps need to invest in that light party for the sake of your kids and and the future. I I know sometimes it's difficult, parking and times, getting kids into, into the center here, but if we can fill our children now with things that are full of light and hope and joy and goodness, then those things get imprinted in their hearts and lives and I believe will be of great value in the time ahead. And so finally, um, and this is a hard one, but I think it's true, this is, uh, as a church family, we learn from our children. We learn from our children. You know, sometimes we think as the children around us, I've got all this wisdom that I'm gonna pour into you and then there's a little bright comment that comes back and you suddenly realize your child is teaching you. I've had that a number of occasions. In fact, I've had that from my grandchildren on a number of occasions. One particular grandchild consistently goes with theological issues to parents who push them my way. I'm not sure why they do that because you know I'm not the brightest and best. But um, I've had some great little theological moments with one of the grandchildren who asked me the most complex things, and, uh, and, and I've usually not got an answer. And so as they ask that complex thing, uh, they then uh, come, come back with answers that are important for me. We need to learn from our children. Luke 18 verse 17 says, I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Why did Jesus say that? Well, children come with an innocence. They come quick to learn. They come shapeable and pliable. They have uncomplicated lives. They have vitality and life from which we can learn. And the kingdom is like that. And so can I... Encourage us all as a church to make sure we're children friendly. But we don't have I'll just have a few principles written down on a piece of paper, but we genuinely value and love and include our children. So thanks, thanks for the thanks for being with us today. We're just going to pray one prayer together. It's a prayer that we pray week in and week out because we've talked a lot over this weekend about family, becoming part of the family of God. We're, and we're honouring children today but I just want to give an opportunity if you've come this morning and you're not yet part of the family of God not I'm not talking about a member of this church but a part of the family of God by that I mean that you have not yet become a follower of Christ you've not yet committed your life to Him we're going to just put on the screen a little prayer that actually a child could understand and could engage with God with and I have a sense today that there may be one or two people that have come here. You've got questions in your mind, questions in your heart, but you're being drawn in some way to God. We're having a number of people that are feeling, feeling, you know, not necessarily with a big background in the Christian faith, but they're feeling drawn to God. If that's in you today and you want to respond and become a part of this family and invite Jesus to be your friend and saviour, We'll pray the prayer together. We're going to pray it out loud, then we're going to just uh, close our eyes to honour the moment. I'm going to invite anyone who prays this prayer for the first time, inviting Jesus to become a personal friend and saviour. I'll give you an opportunity to respond. So let's read this prayer together out loud. Thank you, God, for loving me before I ever loved you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. Thank you that I can get connected to you now because you are alive today. I admit that I have lived my life without you and have messed up. I ask for your total forgiveness and I commit myself to you. Help me to submit my life to your teaching and direction from now on. I receive you into my life and ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. Amen. I wonder if we could just close our eyes. This is just a first step into the Christian faith. But it may well be you've made that step just simply as you've articulated those words for the first time. And if you've prayed that prayer for the first time, I'd love you to do something that's very bold. I'd love you in a second or two just to raise your hand. I ask that for two reasons. Firstly, you will know that you've done something in response but secondly as you raise your hand we're not here to embarrass you but we'll get a little booklet into your hand that helps you understand this part of the journey of faith sometimes when we do these things the heart begins to uh, you know uh, feel a a little bit uh, trembly we think is this God isn't it, is this just my emotions can I encourage you if God has spoken to you through this service in any way or you've got a sense that God is calling you and you have responded through this prayer will you now just raise your hand quickly and we'll get a booklet to you you said I've prayed a prayer today I'm opening my heart to Jesus just raise your hand we'll get a booklet to you usually in our meetings there are one, two, three people each time that say yes I want to follow Jesus anyone here this morning you put your hand up we'll get a booklet to you saying I've prayed that prayer I want to be a follower of Jesus less time of asking anyone at all just raise your hand I've prayed that prayer I want to make this journey my journey thank you so much for being with us today on this special occasion let's make sure that we're a a church that really values our children. Thank you so much.